Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. All right, here we go on a Monday. Cofield and Company, Adam Hill is the company. We're in the Finley Toyota Studios. Uh, much to get to. Very busy weekend with the NFL Draft. Some reaction, some reaction on the Raiders draft, but also the other big news of the weekend. They kind of did a Friday news dump with the news that uh, there are three 2019 first-round picks all had their fifth-year option denied. So that's coming up. Do we get some kind of news with the Golden Knights? Or the longer this goes on with status quo, does it mean that everyone is staying around? Seems unlikely, but we'll be following that over the next three hours. It's the three on Cofield and Company. All right, let's get to some of the biggest stories of the day. First of all, we just mentioned the Golden Knights went out at the end of the year, Friday night, 7-4 win at St. Louis. Didn't mean a whole lot. Good to see him show a little bit of an effort, but for the first time in the five-year history of the franchise, no playoffs. The promise was playoffs in three, cup in six. They made the playoffs from the get-go. They had four playoff years. Fifth year, no playoffs. All right, Stanley Cup next year, huh. right? They got to make some changes because that did not look like a Stanley Cup team this season. So what do you expect? What's going to happen in the next couple of days? It'll be interesting to watch for sure. Uh, we expected the end of the season, uh, you know, kind of behind the scenes, it's the locker cleanout day, uh, which is players come in, they clean out their locker, they talk to the media. It's kind of their exit interviews from the team. We expected it Saturday. And it got pushed back. No, not it wasn't scheduled. We expected it Saturday. Instead, it was announced for tomorrow, Tuesday, which kind of gave you that 72-hour timeline of, oh, there's going to be some things that happen to those 72 hours that are going to be talked about on Tuesday. Like that was That's kind of the indication that you get when that happens. Well, we're now within 24 hours of that and haven't seen anything. I saw the release. Pete DeBoer speaking, right? Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Things can change. Of course, things can definitely change. This is a very secretive organization, as we found out. It was uh, secretive to the nth degree this year. Like, I don't think you would put out and say, um, all the players and uh, management will be speaking. And like, what about DeBoer? I don't think that's how they would announce that he's gone. But, um, (laughs) yeah, he's on the list to talk. So we will will find out. So maybe nothing happens. You you, You mentioned, you know, hey, they missed the playoffs, cup in six. Like, next year is the year they have to win the cup. I actually was having a debate with somebody who really knows hockey last night, and I said, "I right now, I make them the favorite to win the division next year, no question. And they were like, what? They didn't make the playoffs. Well, they didn't make the playoffs because of injuries. If you tell me this team's healthy, and not every team is healthy fully all season, if you tell me they're fully healthy, I think it's different. So um, I don't think it's completely crazy to think they wouldn't make any changes, but it is going to look kind of weird if nothing happens the next 24 hours. I thought one of the weird moves of the NFL draft was the Cardinals offering up a first-round pick for Hollywood Brown. I think he's good. I don't think he's great. He just had a really good season, his first breakout season, 90-plus catches, 1,000 yards. But he's probably a one on a so-so team or a two on a good team. But I think we found out why there may have been a sense of urgency for the Cardinals because today, I wonder if the, is the NFL, you know, the NFL does a great job of staying in the news every day. Are they going to release some sort of a PED suspension every day this week? Like, just space them out? Well, it's DeAndre Hopkins. He's down for the first of the season. That's big. I mean, he's a great receiver. Missed a lot of time last year. He just could not recover from, what, was it a hamstring? So, there you go. Cardinals add Hollywood Brown, and uh, I guess now A.J. Brown's return is even more important, and Rondale Moore 
better step up because no DeAndre Hopkins for six games. Yeah, and I mean, I I don't know how related. I, I know everybody else jumped to the same conclusion too of oh they knew about this, they made this move. Like the Hollywood Brown move is a that's a Kyler Murray move. That's Kyler Murray's best friend, mm-hmm. college teammates, best friend. Like we see, we've seen that teams are doing this now, or players are doing this now with the power to you know reunite with teammates and friends and that sort of thing. We saw right here in Las Vegas, so that would make sense even beyond a potential uh, you know DeAndre Hopkins news leak. Uh, but I, I think you're right. It seemed like a lot to give. It seemed like kind of a a desperation move of sorts to give up a first round pick for Hollywood Brown. Uh, but it was, hey, is this going to make you happy, Kyler? Is this we're going to? We're not going to pay you. So is this is this going to be enough for you uh, to you know to be happy and move forward? And you know, we'll see how that plays out. But man, very, very a lot of very weird. Twitter has been loving the DeAndre Hopkins story. No question today. I saw John Harbaugh interviewed on one of the channels for the draft, and he basically said, I mean, part of the plan was to look to accommodate Hollywood Brown and his trade request, but we had no choice once they offered a first-round pick. So, I mean, I think they were blown away by the fact that the 23rd pick in the draft is going to go for a a smaller receiver. Now, as it turns out, the Cardinals did not draft a wide receiver. So, you know, on the whole, hey, they got Hollywood Brown because they knew DeAndre Hopkins was out. They did get Trey McBride. So, I would expect him – to be a decent weapon, although tight ends first year are kind of a crapshoot. Sometimes sure. they turn out. Sometimes you know Pitts was good this year. We've seen some other guys take some two or three years to get into the fold. Yeah, the rest of their uh, draft, no wide receiver. They did take a, a project running back. Who actually I had a chance to talk to at the uh, East West Shrine, uh, Keontae Ingram from USC via Texas, and they did sign Ronnie Rivers. I wanted to get into that a little later on. Um, crime blotter news with the Raiders. Nothing new. Don't freak out. Not that we know. Of. Uh, Nate Hobbs, remember how he had that bad run where he was sleeping in his car, um, I think after going to Dre's at uh, Cromwell, and then within two weeks he got caught speeding, and I think we saw it. Didn't we, did we see some of the video? Yeah. And he was like, you know, freaking out. because like, He's trying to get to practice. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, 110 and a 65, so I've never been pulled over doing 110. Done it. Said I've never been pulled over doing it. Um, it's only a $250 fine. Well, if you have good lawyers. Yeah, sure. You got a $250 fine, and I think beyond that, Nate Hobbs is uh, free and clear. Yeah. I, and on the uh, on the DUI charge, what there was complications there? Well, yeah, right? he, was, he was sleeping. He, he wasn't, but he wasn't legally drunk? Yeah. Uh, yes, well, yeah, there was a lot of, uh, there, yes, there was discrepancies in the police reporting and right. what came out in court and how it all tested out. So um, he, has, he has moved on. Nothing to see here, basically. And hey, look, this is this legal system playing out, right? Like, you can get mad about it or frustrated about it. Like, that is the legal system, and it's you no know, maybe not the same for everyone, but it is you know there to adjudicate these sorts of things, and you know that is what the legal system has determined through him and his lawyers. And uh, you can't really, you know, uh, you, can, you can be upset about it. There's nothing you can really do about it. Raiders draft picks this weekend. So first and second round pick that was Devontae Adams. Uh, they started picking in the third. They went heavy on big fellas and running backs. So tell us about the first guy they picked, a guard out of Memphis who's, believe it or not, even though he's a third-round pick in the NFL draft, is kind of developmental. Like, he's still growing. Yeah, but I think he's I think he's pretty close to being ready to play. I mean, yeah. I think he's going to get better, but uh, Dylan Parham, I think, is a guy who is going to be a pretty good player at the next level. I thought he was good, good value. I, I, was, I didn't have him – so I, I ran a bunch of computer projections – Last week, 
uh, to just see like who could who who would pop up in a mock draft run by a computer. And Dylan Parr wasn't in any, wasn't in any of them because he was gone in all of them. Oh, really? Um, so yeah, he was <laughs> off the board already. So pre- I thought pretty interesting that he was he was able to fall to them and uh, uh, to get a player who you will hear the word versatility a lot. And I think that they tipped their hand a little bit, not not well, not an accident. I think they did it on purpose a couple weeks ago when when they were asked, "What are you looking for?" And they said, "Versatility very important." And we see in a lot of these guys, especially the offensive linemen have played every position on the offensive line, and I think that was very key to them going in because they don't know what the plan is going to be. I think a lot of people assumed, well, Dylan Parham, he can play guard, kick Alex Sutherwood back out to tackle. Well, he maybe also could play center. Like, you don't know where he can play. Mm -hmm. And I think to have those options available is very important to them, knowing that they didn't know what role all these guys are going to fill. Great athlete, at least, you know, in terms of running, he ran a 4.93, came in as what, a tight end, even played some defensive line. And then slots in as a guard. I know you just said he's got flexibility, but I, I, mean, I think the key thing you mentioned too is center that while second half of the year was a better time for the Raiders center, that doesn't mean the new crew coming in management wise is like, hey, we're all in. But interesting, I think most Andre people, James, I mean, I I think he's the center, right? He did get better as the year went along. Yeah, but I think like you said, most people when they drafted Parham said, Oh, Guard kick out the tackle. Actually, most scouts said he would make the best set, make a best center okay. of any any spot on the offensive line. So um, we'll see. I mean, again, they, he can play anywhere, and I think that's important going in and saying, "Hey, we're not going to have set roles for all these guys because we don't know exactly where where these guys are going to play out." For sure, draft got real interesting for the Raiders in the fourth round, and then they repeated the deed again later in the draft. And we're talking about running back. And that was a big news at the beginning of the weekend, fifth year options on all the 2019 first round picks denied. So what are we setting up here with Patriots West at running back? Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. What do I add? Just a great guy. A guy that's going to come in and work hard every single day. Yeah, like on every rep inside the film room, in the weight room. I would wait like my whole whole life for this moment right here. So like, this really means like the world to me. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. Well, I think that was a really interesting part of the Raiders draft. I mean, normally... You know, you start with a third-round pick. It's like, all right, you're going to bring in some guys who are depth, maybe challenge for a starting position way down the road if they're, you know, third-round pick on from there. That was Amir White, running back. He was one of two running backs taken in the draft by the Raiders. Stud out of, out of um, Georgia. I mean, giant thick dude, too. Yeah. Um, and explosive. But injuries in college. Sure. And the depth of Georgia is so ridiculous that, you know, they don't have a guy who goes for 1,800 yards because they have so many guys at the position. It's so freaking deep. So yeah. what's the deal with this guy? Just, well, I mean, as you mentioned, a couple of things. Explosive athletes for sure had injury problems in college. Uh, wasn't ever using the passing game. I think there's some question there. Multiple ACLs? Um, yeah. Uh, tore one before college and then one, I believe, his freshman year uh, of college. So definitely the injury history, but a really intriguing running back, especially on early downs. Uh, not sure how ready he'll be for passing situations, especially in pass protection. Uh, but his backstory is just absolutely incredible and like tragic, but also overcoming of tragedy uh, is insane. He 
you know, his mom was 14 when she uh, got pregnant. Dad, almost immediately after she got pregnant, went to jail. He never had a relationship with him. Uh, six months into her pregnancy, the uh, you know he was only a pound, huh. and the doctor was like, "He's he's not going to make it. Wow. We have to you know for your health and for his benefit, like we have to terminate this." And the grandmother stepped in and said, "No, uh, even if he only takes one breath on Earth, he'll take that breath." And she's like, "I'll take responsibility for him, and you know we'll we'll have him." And that is that is amazing when you think about it. The yeah. the one pounder, yeah, and then. The guy's eventually six foot, two hundred and fifteen pounds, nicknamed Zeus. Yeah, well, I believe he got to six pounds by the time he was born. Oh, really? Still very little. Yeah. Um, was born with a cleft palate and other issues uh, that really affected him. Uh, had a ton of surgeries. They basically said, "Look, enjoy him while he's here. He's not going to make it." Really? Yeah. So, however long he's here, just you know, enjoy him and you know, treasure his life. Uh, he was living, as I said, the grandmother took basically responsibility for raising him. The mom went back to school, um, as I said, 14 when he was born. So mom went back to school. They were all living together in one house. The house burned down. They had lost literally everything. Uh, had to start over from there. And somehow, you know, as we said, then he became an athlete and had the two ACL injuries, overcame those in college and now is here. Just an absolutely incredible story to even to be here. Uh, so, you know, not somebody that's going to, you know, shriek down from a challenge of, you know, having nine running backs now on the roster or whatever <laughs> they have. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. They take uh, Britton Brown, UCLA running back, later in the draft. So the story here is what's going to happen to running back now? Because Josh Jacobs had his fifth-year option. Well, no, 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 it's not. Don't, don't read into anything, Steve. Yeah, I saw this nonsense from uh, from <laughs> reporters. Like, you know, there's nothing to be read into. It. No, what, no, no. What, from from Dave Ziegler. Well, what's what what was what was Jacobs do in his fifth year? I uh, believe it, like was eight. it was I eight. I think he was, he was only eight. I think. Okay. But him and Abram and Farrell were the eight, ten, and eleven. Right. Okay. So at those numbers, it's not worth it. No. It doesn't mean they're all done with the organization now. How they. Adjust to not having their fifth year option. I think that's going to be intriguing to follow. Frankly, sure. they, you know, I, I don't think Froll is going to be here. But if the other two are around and they should be, then you're fighting for your future. And that's not the worst thing for the organization. And frankly, Adam, I think your organization's already sent out the message. You know, they gave money to Max Crosby. They got another defensive end and Chandler Jones in on a three year deal. They did not guarantee $141 million to Derek Carr. It's a guarantee of $32.5 million. This is a, we're going to go for it this year, but we're not locked into anything. And this should come as zero surprise to anyone when it comes to the running back position. Yeah. It's the Patriots, guys. Yes. What have the Patriots done over the years at running back that would ever convince you that they would have a veteran running back on like a four-year deal after he was in the league for four years? It's it's one of those things where like you know, leopards don't change their their I was going to say stripes their spots. This this is what has worked over the years with Belichick. So you'd figure some of that rubs off on Ziegler and Josh McDaniels. Fantasy football and reality are don't always mesh, but anybody that plays fantasy football understands huh? what the Patriots' plan has always been. You're not going to have that hell cow guy that's making all this money and is a you know is your stud going forward. You're going to have six guys. And you're going to rotate them, and some will be active, some will be inactive, 
and you never know who's going to be active and who's not, and you never know what role anybody's going to play on the team, and you're just going to go forward and say, hey, we've got all these guys. We're going to use them in different ways. For for People may have forgot. It's not just that they drafted two running backs and have Josh Jacobs and have Kenyon Drake. They went and signed Brandon Bolden. They went and signed Amir Abdullah. Like These are guys that have been pretty successful players mm-hmm. in the league. They've got a whole stable of guys now. Out, well, you just mentioned Bolden. Outside of Bolden, because we gave it to you, how many people can name the crew of running backs? Like Many of them were around forever in Patriot land, and then they'd mix someone new in, a veteran. You know, I mean, it's some, some of the great stories that we've seen there. Um, we talked to him Super Bowl week, LeGarrette Blunt. Yeah. Like kind of coming off the scrap heap, and then they're like, all right, now we're going to run this guy because he's 400 pounds. We're going to run him a million times in the red zone. And he had like 17 touchdowns one year. And it's just like, yeah, that's how we do it. You know, yeah. 30, 31 years old, we're going to go for it because it doesn't cost us anything. Now, give me your – it's not a prediction. Jacobs goes out and has, you know, 1,200 total yards, right? 900 rushing, 300 receiving. Do they go to him and they're like, all right, two-year extension, 14 mil, nine guaranteed. No. Or is that too much? Way too much. So it, 70, 70 year with nine guaranteed, Just it's that's just not going to be their way. I just don't, I also don't think he's going to put up those numbers be, just because of the circumstances, right? Like if you look at the team, all these guys are going to get their carries. They're all, I'm like, maybe not everybody's going to make the team, but whoever's on the team is going to be used. They're going to have opportunity. They're going to get carries. Like there's, go, they're going to be part of the roster. So um, it, it's, it's there. Nobody's going to put up those massive numbers. And then you're going to go at the end of the year and be like, well, Come back if you want on this deal that's team-friendly right. or not. Right. Then we'll four, find somebody here's, else. Here's one year, four mil. Yeah, then we'll find somebody else. That That's how they've managed running backs forever. That's how smart teams, by the way, manage running backs. And th- the Patriots have set this example, and I don't think they're going to change it. I know it's not the same people necessarily, but Ziegler and McDaniels are from that school. I don't think they're going to change it now that they're here. Although McDaniels did tell – or excuse me, Ziegler did tell us – don't read into too much about us not picking up the fifth year option. And then the next day he goes and drafts two running backs. Right. 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 <laughs> Don't read too much into okay. it. Don't jump to conclusions, everybody. <laughs> right. How do you think Jacobs is going to react? I'd love Good to guy. find He's out. prideful. Yeah. I'd love to find out. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd like to talk to him soon and, and see what he has to say. I, I don't think he's thrilled. I, I wouldn't be. You can't. No. You can't. This, these are the years you don't make any money. Right. Your first couple of years, I mean, you make money. But you're not breaking the bank, it's, and after after they own you for at least four years, it's like, okay, now I'm going to make some big money. But here's the deal, folks. Around the league, there's a couple of teams that will step out of line and give a big deal, right? The Titans did it last year, and then, of course, you know, were rewarded with a broken foot sure. from their gigantic running back. But I think, I, I think you saw in this year's draft, especially with the way the first round went, that most of the league – is starting to get it. I still, I still think you'll have people step out of line and get crazy over running backs, but well, no, no one jumped in until the second round. There are, there are guys that are game changers, but there's very few. There's so few of them. By the way, how many running backs were picked in the first round this year? Zero. Exactly. Because, because people have realized it's it. There, there, there's very few guys that are absolute game changers. You run with scheme and with offensive line. You don't run with a running back necessarily. And they're fairly interchangeable. And 
it sucks for running. I have proposed before. The worst. You need to come up with a better salary structure for running backs to get paid right away. Because now you're mm-hmm. Jacobs will be four years in. He'll be coming off a year where maybe his numbers are down because they've got so much talent there, and he's had some injuries because you've worn him. You know, you've just broken him down from running him so often and getting in a hundred car crashes a year uh, on the field. Oh. And, and sorry, um, not not their fault. I, I, I meant I absolutely meant on the field of getting tackled and running, that running into linebackers and running into and safeties and all those guys, yeah. and then you're like. No, we can't pay you. Look, your body's been through through hell these last four years. It sucks for running backs. It is absolutely terrible that we do this to running backs, but you also get it. Like yeah. you understand this is this is the reality of it. We've joked about it many times with with former players, right? They yeah. might have kids. Like if your kid is five ten to six one and goes like one eighty five to two ten, you should tell him in high school you're not playing running back. No. No. Every waking moment is working on being a defensive back or safety. Work on your skills. You're not playing running back. There is no future. No, now, that's a little harsh. There's a future. To be fair, you can make money in the league. Right. It's still a premium position, but the way the league treats it now, you're highly unlikely to be making tens of millions of dollars unless you stay around, you know, like Frank Gore forever. You're not going to have a long career. And even And that's the other By the way, Frank Gore wasn't signing like 3-year Thirty-five no. million dollar <laughs> deals. He pieced it together for right. like seven he, years. Yeah, he pieced together a contract every year and just took what he could get. Is there a running back in next year's draft where you're like, yeah, that's that's the guy who's going to go in the first round? We'll look ahead at next year's draft. Of course, we have to the first day. Uh, you know, after the draft, Bijan Robinson. I'm looking at some rankings. Uh, Gibbs, who just transferred into Alabama. Zach Evans is also a transfer right into uh, Ole Miss. Georgia running back Milton. I, mean, I guess someone could go out there and rush for 2,000 yards and blow people away it's in the college season, and I still don't think it's going to be good enough for a first-round pick. No. It's crazy. The position has changed, no doubt. Um, coming up, let's get to the other focal point. We already talked about the guard the Raiders took in the first round, or check that, the third round as their first pick. Man, they like defensive linemen. They like defensive linemen a lot. Uh, reminder tomorrow, big event going down at Finley Toyota. MMA star, UFC fighter, Aljamain Sterling, Finley Toyota. Tuesday, 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 5.30 to 7 o'clock. Host of the fight game over on uh, R&R 920. Daman will may, uh, be making an appearance with Al Jermaine Sterling. Again, it's tomorrow. Meet, greet, autographs, all that. Valley, Automall, and Henderson, Finley, Toyota with Al Jermaine Sterling tomorrow, 5.30. Finley, Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota. Me putting in so much hard work, you know, it was a no-brainer this year. I knew I was going to just gonna come to the league and try my best to be successful, just putting the work. To be honest with you, there was so much emotion going through here. My friend, I only remember the call, but I'm happy as heck to be a Raider man. I'm ready to get there and put in some work. It's going to be fun. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. studio. One of two defensive linemen the Raiders drafted. That was Neil Farrell, LSU. They also drafted Matthew Butler, Tennessee. All right, where do these guys play? What's their backstory? What's the upside? And clearly there's a trend here because the Raiders were super active in the offseason, seeming to sign uh, lots of depth along the defensive line, more competition, and then I've added more to the mix. Yeah, and they're changing. They're kind of changing the complexion of the defensive line. 
uh, and how so they they're play. not multiples. They're really going for a three-four. Of course they are. Yes. <laughs> so Chandler Jones and Crosby are going to be in the outside in the three-four. Sure. And, and, and in, the line, be, in the linebacking line. Well, I think Crosby well, might play a little on the on the defensive end. Right. Um, but yeah, could play definitely some linebacker stand up a little bit and just go get the quarterback. But Jones, they need to Jones get will, they, they need to get big and thick on the three spots. Yeah, on the on the uh, defensive line, especially a nose. That's and that's kind of what they did here and, and stacked. Uh, some some big bodies, some guys that are uh, some are versatile, but really are just are are stout uh, guys that you'd love uh, in the middle of the defensive line. Uh, These guys can, aren't squatty enough. That's true. You know, my desire is you know five eight three fifty five. That's true. Um, so yeah, they, then they they can free up guys that are going to be able to clog uh, the middle some and free up Crosby and Jones to just go get quarterbacks, and that's what they're going to want to do. And uh, I think that's part of part of what the draft strategy clearly was: build from. I mean. Didn't have a lot of picks. Mostly were late. It was build from the inside out. No question about it. Running backs and guys to build from the interior. And both guys, both of these prospects were a little late in terms of coming on, right, in their yeah. college careers. Yeah, both were guys that were just guys for their first you know, three years of college and really blossomed this year. And I think you take a chance on that being, you know, upward trajectory, not just the, the fact that experience helped them play well at this at this level, the, the fourth year of college. It was guys that are just getting better and figuring it out and have upside. And um, I, that that seemed to be – it was clearly a common theme with their defensive players that they picked. So that absolutely had to be part of what their thought process was. I mean, not that they said that, but just kind of watching them, you know, watching the rise of these guys uh, and the fact that both of them came to the Raiders – it seems like the Raiders kind of like that part of them uh, in college, that they got better and better and really thrived at the end of their college career. Were you surprised by any position that was not addressed in the draft? Corner? Linebacker? Some? Um, so, yeah. I mean, I think that there were there were spots, even wide receiver. You, you Are know, you probably, surprised they didn't try to draft a true tackle on the line, on the offensive line? Yeah, but I think that, I think they believe Mumford could probably play there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that they're, they're guys that are – it's guys that are versatile – uh, guys can play a little multiple positions, and that's why it's like, hey, it doesn't matter what position you are. Uh, they they talked about cross trading guys. Anybody that's a guard is also a center. Uh, anybody that's a left guard is also a right guard. Like those guys cross train, and some between tackles and guards as well, but not as much. Uh, but definitely on both sides of the line of scrimmage, they want guys that can serve different roles, so that they're not in a pinch of, well, we have a guy that's only a right guard. What are we going to do with them? Like they want guys that can play different spots. So I think that that is part of it. Uh, but yeah, there's definitely positions that still need to be addressed. But they didn't have a lot of picks, uh, and, they, and they clearly had a direction that they wanted to go with this draft. So on the D-line and the O-line, uh, veterans that are still around, who could be odd men out? Like, hmm. who's on the cusp now? They look at what they what they just drafted, and they're like, oh, okay. Well, like, I'm, I, not I'm like, I'm not guaranteed a spot on this team. I, don't, I mean, I don't think anybody's necessarily, you know, I don't think anybody's looking at it and saying, well, this guy's going to play this position, and this guy's out, but... I mean, Brandon Parker, I'd be thinking, okay, well, I just resigned. What is my role? Where am I going to be? Do they want to kick at Leatherwood back out to tackle? And then I'm the odd man out. Is that how that works? Or, you know, Parker can be a swing swing tackle and play both spots. That's potentially a case. I, you mentioned, you know, Andre James before where you're kind of thinking, all right, I got better. I think I solidified my position a little bit, but it's a new regime. Right. <laughs> and now Looking there's all these, all these bodies now that can play anywhere kind of along the inside of the offensive line of scrimmage. So, um, I think definitely there's guys that are, and by the way, like Alex Leatherwood got better, but he's not from this, he's not from this regime. Like they don't have any connection to him. Well, I would say, I would assume that he's going to get a shot at least at guard, but sure. I don't, I don't know that you should assume 
anything. Hell, the old guys, they drafted Clee Furl, and by year three, they were like, okay. Yeah. This ain't working. We gotta we gotta get guys to play over him. That's yeah. just it. There's no question. And so I think I think any guy, anybody that that was not I mean, listen, every job in the NFL is up every year for for the most part. Um so I, I mean any guy can think that. But when there is a new staff, when there's new general manager, new scouts, new coaches, all those things are coming up coming along, it's much easier for them to move on from guys. In fact, it's almost encouraged in, in a weird culture of the NFL where you come in and you start cutting, not even cutting, demoting or kind of freezing out or moving guys that were from the old regime, it, it almost becomes like you get a pat on the back of, oh, look what you had to deal with. You had, you had these guys that you just had to move on from. Like, man, that that's a whole full rebuild they had to go through. It's almost like you get credit for moving on from guys, which is a weird part of the culture of the NFL, but it's true. And so, you know, I don't think they'd have any problem moving on from anybody. How quickly... I mean, they really haven't had much team activity yet, right? No. They were with with management mixing with the players. I mean, how quickly can you discover, as you know, Gruden called Trent Brown, the energy vampires? Well, then Ziggler and McDaniels had him. <laughs> so uh, I don't know how they feel about Trent Brown either. Um, I mean, I th- yeah, you can you, – on the field, they haven't done much at all, really nothing. They were in the building around him. I think Trent Brown was a guy that they probably – Around the building, could tell like this is not this is not the guy uh, for us on the field. But on the field, they haven't really done much. They have they're starting OTAs in what, a week and a half or so. Um, the NFL, baby, <laughs> the <laughs> NFL. That was five twelve. We get we get the schedule release. Uh, five twelve schedule release, right. and I think the twelfth and thirteenth, I believe, is OTAs for the Raiders. I, I was like, I, I went to a post draft dinner with some friends last night. I was, I, they were like, man. Like, this has been such a month and a half for you. I'm like, yeah, I know. And they're like, what are you going to do? I'm like, well, I got OTAs next yeah, week. Like, so I'm out. All your time <laughs> off. What are you going to do? Well, you got like eight days off. Maybe. 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 And there's a UFC if, card this if week. If other yeah. stuff doesn't happen. And yeah, there's a UFC card in Phoenix. And, you know, meanwhile, NFL junkies are like, you know, tapping the arm. We get about three days of post draft talk, right? And then you're like, all right, how do I get my picks? What can I shoot? What can I shoot? NFL into my veins. Like you're gonna have to okay. We're gonna Schedule get we're release. gonna get we're gonna get post we're gonna get post draft until the fifth or sixth, and then somehow you got to make it six or seven days until the schedule release. You just, just sit tight. You don't. They're 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 really really giving you the fix this week. The international games are all being announced this week. Ooh. All right. So it's like you don't even have to because they were like, oh, mate, oh, got ten days. Not in the not in the <laughs> headlines. What are we? What are the NBA playoffs are going on? We got to do something. You know what? We're gonna release all the international games this week. And there's like six of them. Well, we'll get to this one in the football frenzy. What if they came down with discipline like Monday, next <laughs> Monday for Deshaun Watson, right? Oh, and boy. it's and it's lengthy. Heads will explode. And like I said, cap those veins. You got more <laughs> NFL news coming in. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. <laughs> Swung on and hits a deep left center field. There it goes. Julio checks in with his first big league home run. It's a 3-1 blast. And the Mariners have a 5-0 lead. Well done, Julio. He gives no Fs, and that's why you love him. It's Dave Koken on Cofield and Company. That was one of the cool moments of the week. Julio Rodriguez, J-Rod, young guy, Mariners, Dave Sims on the call there. We'll get into some baseball. 
want to talk a little NHL as well as we head towards the playoffs and some postmortem for the Vegas Golden Knights. You heard it. Doesn't give any Fs. Koken's up. What's up, Dave? Uh, looking forward to the start of the playoffs tonight. Uh, be glued to the TV for uh, every NHL game, and uh, we'll catch some baseball as well. How much action do you generally go with uh, per day in the NHL in the playoffs? It's whenever it looks good. Yeah. Uh, I didn't play any single games, but I did play uh, the Rangers to beat the uh, uh, to win their series against Pittsburgh. A prop on the Avalanche series minus two and a half games. Uh, they should they should shut out Nashville. Uh, that should be four zero, but maybe Nashville steals a game. So I uh, laid two and a half games at plus one hundred five. I thought that was a good bet. Adam thoughts. Avs Preds series. Yeah. I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm trying to look more for down the road, like who could win uh, the finals. But I, man, I I love the Avs and the fact that the Preds have such goaltending questions right now. I look like Saros wasn't on the ice. I don't know how much he's going to play. That kind of concerns me. I think the Avs, even though it's a huge price, should should roll right. Yeah. I look. Uh, Nashville is. They're not a real good team. I mean, they got one really good line, a great defenseman. Uh, but they're not deep. They don't have a lot of speed. They're a, a team that plays physical hockey. I, I don't see how they're going to stack up with Colorado, especially with Saros injured. So uh, if this looks like a very easy series for the Avalanche. And then they'll have their their own bugaboo, which is getting through the second round. Huh. That's been a problem for them. Sure. Uh, other series to talk about, but real quick, I want to get your thoughts uh, as a whole because I did find a 25-1 to on the Rangers last night. Like They're not a great team, but nobody can score on them. They've got a great goaltender. Um, I don't think they can win it, but at twenty-five to one, why not take a shot, right? Yeah. Well, I also took the Capitals at fifty to one, which I don't have much hope in, but that would be a nice ticket. Yeah, I, I don't see much hope for the Capitals. I, I, they're just not that good. Um, <laughs> and the weird thing is, they've they've been better on the road than at home. Uh, I, I just don't. I, they're a playoff team, but that's about it. Dave Koken with us, Cofield and Company. All right, VGK, postmortem. What's the best way to describe what we just saw this season? Uh, Murphy's Law, hmm. right from the start. Everything that could go wrong pretty much did for them this year. And look, uh, it's the first time that's happened to the Golden Knights in their five years in the league. It's going to happen to every team from time to time. And the Golden Knights got their dose of it and then some this season. Go to camp with a fresh slate next year. They've got some real good talent on the team. They found what appears to be a starting goaltender in Logan Thompson and uh, and hope the same injury bug doesn't come up again. I, that destroyed the team this year. I mean, look, I won the under bet, uh, and I, I think I would have won it anyway, but it became a real easy bet because of all the injuries. How much, how much should they think about making drastic changes, especially in the front office and the coaching staff, knowing that, as you said, I mean, the biggest issue was injury. So I, I don't know that you fire the training staff. Uh, I, what do you do? I think somebody's going to bite the bullet for this, and I think it's going to be McCrimmon. That's just my guess. Hmm. Uh, I think DeBoer probably goes into the season somewhat on the hot seat. They'll need to get off to a good start because the NHL, they, unlike other leagues, the NHL doesn't waste any time. They don't go around. I mean, if you're not going well, they just fire you. Um, but I think McCrimmon could be uh, somebody's going to go, and I think it's him. Dave Koken, wagertalk.com is up on Cofield. And company, um, you know, let, let's talk about the way DeBoer handled things down the stretch. The, the subtle digs at Leonard, and just this wasn't on him because he's the front man, but 
do the fans and even the media do do they deserve any more openness? Because the the fibbing about the Leonard stuff the the whole way was it's kind of grating. Well, it got a little ridiculous. Yes, um, I mean it was like Belichick cubed, <laughs> uh, uh, and Belichick can get away with it because <laughs> you win nine million Super Bowls, you can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think uh, I think that's the letter thing really was an issue, and I don't. I don't know who is at fault there, whether it's Leonard, DeBoer, the organization. I think they'd like to cut ties with them if possible. That contract is going to be an obstacle in terms of dealing him. Dave, let's talk a little baseball. First of all, Robinson Cano. Uh, I know I, Adam and I argued about the deal back when he signed with Seattle. I thought it was a means to an end. He flamed out early and then you know, wound up getting popped multiple times for roids. Well, he's been DFA'd now. He still owed a ton of money. Do you think he just walks or will someone pick him up? I think he's done. Yeah. Um, he's not at this point a clubhouse plus. He's, he, he would arrive with a lot of baggage. And, you know, he looked okay in spring training, but it's tough to find fault with anything the Mets have done so far. But the one question I had was, why is this guy playing DH over Dominic Smith? Smith's a better hitter at this point. And uh, it looks like the Mets finally figured that out as well. I, I have a feeling that's that might be it for Cano. Is it it for the Reds? This is a oh. this is a disaster. They, not only three and nineteen, they're not covering on the run line either. They're getting blown out. Can we just keep playing against them until further notice? Uh, why not? <laughs> I've been doing it. I've been doing it on a regular basis, and I see no reason not to. And uh, I, you know, look, it's twenty two games in, so maybe it's putting the cart before the horse. But it could be that the nineteen sixty two Mets might have a competitor. <laughs> I mean, here is the thing, because I've been doing the same thing, uh, betting against them. Yeah, basically, no matter what the price is, I don't know that the price the last five or six days has been bigger than minus one seventy against them. That's it, the crazy part. It, it finally is catching up, though. Yeah. If you look at tomorrow's number against Milwaukee, and I think uh, I think we're going to see some gigantic prices with them down the road. We could be looking at minus four hundreds, maybe even more when they face somebody really good like the Dodgers. Uh, let's talk Seattle. You heard the uh, J-Rod home run coming in, and he got off to a slow start, and so did their other young outfielder, but only 21. They're 12-10. and 10. Should I be bullish on the Mariners based on their young talent and how well it could develop this year? Maybe not this year, Okay, but the pieces are in place for them to make you know, some serious runs over the next few years. Uh, they've got some ter- really terrific young talent there, and the pitching. I mean, Logan Gilbert, Logan Gilbert. Better start paying attention to this guy. Those who took shots at him, uh, or shots with him, for the Cy Young, they might be feeling pretty good right now. He's pitching great baseball, and he's not the only good pitcher on that team. Uh, Flip side, uh, and listen, the records are almost identical in the same division. Should I be worried about the Astros off to an 11-11 start, win total before the year, 91 and a half? Um. Yeah, I, I think possibly. I, they'll be a winning team. Yeah. But are they going to get into the 90s? I don't know. Uh, they're not as good as they've been. You know, they've lost some pieces over the years, and, and everybody gets fired up to play them, too. I mean, the Astros, uh, you can say the evil empire, the Yankees, or the Dodgers, the Red Sox, whatever. I don't think there's a more disliked team <laughs> uh, than the Houston Astros, and they've never been forgiven for the cheating World Series win, and until these players are all gone, I don't think they will be. There he is, Dave Koken, wagertalk.com. Um, you don't play totals at all in baseball? Oh, yeah. Sure. Oh, you do? 
Okay. Have you jumped on the Orioles now? They're, I think, uh, what are they, four? I guess it would be, what, 15, four, and three on the under, and their strikeouts are approaching record level. Yeah. Uh, no, I haven't. I don't think I've been involved in any of their totals, and that, that'll probably change. Uh, the ballpark, however, is not as home run friendly as it was because they moved the left field wall in, or out, I should say. And the bullpen has been great for the Orioles, which is a big surprise. I wouldn't expect that part to continue. Best teams in baseball, all, you know, like 14 and 8 or better. Yankees, Blue Jays, Angels, Dodgers, Padres, Giants, Brewers, Mets. Any team in there where you're like, eh, that's not real. Is there a team in there you worry about a little bit, getting off to a, a phony start? Maybe there's some value back the other way playing against them? No, I think those are all pretty good teams. The Brewers have some offensive issues, but they get great pitching, and they're in a bad division, which is going to help them. Uh, Giants, maybe they back up a little bit this year, but uh, you know they've got some pieces out right now, and they're going to get those guys back, and they should be all right. I, I still think they're going to miss Buster Posey a lot. Maybe the Giants yeah. might be a team that, that uh, they're not going to be as good as they were last year, and we'll see what happens when some adversity shows, as it's kind of starting to right now. I'm going to play, although the next series is Cleveland for two games, I'm going to play in spots against the Padres. They're 15-8, and eight, but 11-2 and two of that has come against the D-backs, the Reds, yeah. and the Pirates, so I'm a little worried. They're, you know, they're a little overpriced the other way. I guess I'm not worried because I can get value playing against them. But the, but the Indians are a very interesting team because, man, they are not consistent at the plate. I mean, there could be games where they just get shut down. And, yeah, by, by the way, Guardians, my bad. Yeah, uh, the – weird thing about them is they've got some serious splits. They've been putting some offense together against righties, not okay. much against lefties. Uh, I don't think the offense is going to continue to be good. They do have some good pitching, though, and that'll keep them in a lot of games. Yep. All right, Dave, anything uh, coming up this week? Anything special on Wager Talk? Uh, just the usual stuff, and uh, try and pick some winners. Four straight winning months to start the year. Yeah. We'll try and make it five in a row. Thank you, Dave. See you guys. There he is from DC and the Sunshine Man, Dave Koken. Yeah, when I was looking up the uh, the Pod Squad, I believe me, I've had bad luck. I, I've been this year. I've come out of the gates, Adam, playing like two, maybe three games a day, mostly pluses, or I'm going to play into streak. Like I missed out last year when the Orioles sucked. Um, so now that the Reds, you know, have just gone in the tank at three and nineteen, I've jumped against them. And I've been willing to lay prices, but I did think I thought it was interesting with the Padres that. Again, they've played the D-backs, the Reds, and the Pirates 13 times already. And there's like five teams at the bottom of baseball that just do not give a rat's ass. That are probably max 65 wins. And they're going to get into these ruts, like last year with the Orioles and the, the Diamondbacks, where the Diamondbacks had that long losing streak on the road. So, not saying I'm killing it. But, but to me, <laughs> so base- far, so good. Well, to me, baseball is a it's a grinding freaking sport. Football frenzy coming up. We'll get into the uh, draft a little more, especially where Vegas kids got drafted.